is burning. Welcome to World is Burning, the podcast for your climate anxiety. I'm Elise. And I'm Olivia. So today we're... No, go for it. You do it. You do it. (laughs) And today we're talking about milk. All kinds of milk. Milk from cows. Milk from oats. Yeah. Cow titty Uh, milk, as my roommate calls it. (laughs) Cow titty milk. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. People are crazy about it. Yeah. I dove into the Got Milk advertising campaign, which I'll get into in a minute. But like the ways that we think about milk all the time, regardless of whether or not you consume it, if you live, especially if you live in the United States, like the way that you think about milk uh-huh. is crazy. I'll, I'll get into some stats, but it's like it kind of blows my mind. Yeah. I, I I feel like I need to bring up a high, a small high school scandal, honestly, before we even get into milk. Uh, please. So we had this certain gym teacher, also health teacher, that whose name will not, I won't say. But there was like, I think in the year before me, like he kind of, everyone had a class with him pretty much, I think. And I love that I have no be- idea where this is going, by the way. <laughs> You have no idea. <laughs> so I think the year before me, like it, it may be in like the nutritional part of health or something. He allegedly said something along the lines of, I'm not saying marijuana is good for you. I'm just saying that milk is bad for you. And so the whole thing got boiled down to this teacher saying that marijuana is better than milk and then it got repeated and repeated and repeated and then the next year when I had him he got up and was like there's a certain thing that everybody says that I said and I didn't <laughs> say it I'm not gonna say what it is but you know and it's not true but like he was so bothered by it and like it just he he was the kind of person who would always like blow something out of proportion. Of course, like in high schoolers, if a teacher is bothered by something, like you're obviously gonna like run with that. A right. Bit. Same with the. Uh, he also had a thing with the defibrillators mm-hmm. with the sound going woo, how it charge. So he would freak out if anyone made that noise, oh, and of gosh. course. Because he freaked out so much, everyone did it. So if you saw him in the hallway, or pe- I, I didn't really do it. I don't think I did it. But pe- if you saw him walking down the hallway, someone would go, whoop, and then he'd be like, hey, what is oh, it? But my gosh. he was quite the character, and it was just a whole big scandal that he said that marijuana was better than milk. Which, like... Yeah, I can respect the <laughs> high school teachers, but I could absolutely never Not do that gonna. because my first day I would say something weird like that and like vaguely yeah. inappropriate, but also it's not like. But also like, I mean, wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like not disagreeing. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of fucked up that we drink cow titty milk. Mm-hmm. Um, So I just always think about that when milk comes up. I'm not saying marijuana is good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love that. Um, and <laughs> yeah, again, he's not wrong. So should yeah. I get into my story? Because You feel should like, get into your story I feel story like you'll now. have a lot. <laughs> well, I think I think once I get into it, we're going to have a lot of side trails like this because it makes, at least this makes me think about my childhood. I don't know. Yeah. It, it seems like for you too. So 
I'm yeah. going to be talking about cow titty milk, as we say today, and the Got Milk campaign specifically. I'm actually really focusing more mm-hmm. on like the ad campaign and like you did a story a couple weeks ago on cotton and you looked at the fabric of our mm-hmm. lives commercials and how those came to be, which is so interesting because it says so much about like what the industry was concerned about and what how people feel about cotton and like how that how mm-hmm. important that is. And like I've always been super interested by advertising and how it influences our lives, like what we consider normal, yeah. what we want, social norms, all that stuff. And so the only other example that we could think of off the top of our heads of like a category that's been advertised or like an um a product that's been advertised without there being any brand attached was cotton and then milk. Uh-huh. So yeah. that's what I looked into today. And before I forget, my sources are the Mayo Clinic, just for one little thing, um, National Library of Medicine, Fast Company, CNN, and NBC News. So yeah, like I said, milk is the only other example we could think of of famous marketing campaigns that are like just about a product without the brand. Mm-hmm. Just a real quick disclaimer that like, yes, we're talking about cow titty milk and we're going to talk about it in that way, but this is not like... I'm really not I'm not touching at all on like animal welfare or whether or not we should whether or not we should consume animal products. We have a whole veganism episode where we talked about like a little bit about milk and dairy products and our own like personal diets and all that stuff. But like that's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. And it's also not about like farm conditions either for the animal or the farmer, all that stuff. Very important questions to ask and especially important questions to ask when you're thinking about like environmental impact. But what interests me more, honestly, is like, why has milk been marketed marketed to us so insanely intensely? Yeah. And so also <laughs> the presumption in the U.S. is that like milk means cow's milk. So especially when I was doing this research, all of the like dairy processing boards, they use the word milk but they're not talking even about like sheep's milk or goat's milk or anything like that. It's the presumption is that we're talking about cow's milk. So, um, Elise, I'm curious when you think of milk mm-hmm. and your childhood, what do you think of? I mean, I, I, as you were saying all that, I was, I was like having flashbacks to, uh, the cafeteria, like the, my elementary school cafeteria mm-hmm. and how they wouldn't like, wouldn't give us water. And how we had to drink milk at lunch if we bought lunch. Yep. Like water wasn't an option. I just feel like I just want water and I didn't want to drink milk. So I think I would have chocolate milk, which of like I'm assuming that's not the healthiest choice. Yeah. I um, mean. But like I just think it's kind of bizarre thinking back on it that like we weren't given water as an option. Like there weren't cups or anything. It was if you're thirsty you're drinking milk. Yeah. No, like be milk being just like the default option. I definitely that's like a yeah. big one for me. I wrote a little list of things that it made me think of because I realized there are so many associations yeah. I had with milk as a kid. So one uh-huh. of them was that milk would make me strong and give me strong bones and teeth. I'm very uh-huh. well, I'm not very tall. I'm five foot ten, which is considered fairly tall, tall. for women. And I've always been tall and like in middle school, especially I I was like number two because it takes the boys a while to catch up. And so mm-hmm. I remember I cannot tell you how many times I got told that I was tall because and like had 
strong bones because I drank a lot of milk, which I did. <laughs> but I really, I had, a, I remember having like a heart to heart with myself in like fourth grade where I was like, maybe I should stop drinking so much milk. And then like, I won't be tall and considered like stick out from all my friends. Like maybe that will be the thing. I also yeah. drink instant breakfast in the morning, which is chocolate milk with like a meal, an appetite suppressant in it. So questionable, but yeah, milk cartons at school and being given milk regardless of whether or not you wanted it. But like, at least for me, I definitely had a taste for it. So like, and since it was just always presented to me, I would drink it. But I can't remember having yeah. a glass of water at lunch ever unless I had, I always have my own water bottle too. Yeah. There's also like ice cold milk being a refreshing drink, milk and cookies, warm milk before yeah. bed. The list goes on and on and on. Um, like Santa milk and Santa cookies. Santa milk and cookies. Yes. So it's like very yeah. hinged in there. There's like, if you watch movies, there's always a milk jug. Like often that's the, like a staple of just a on-set refrigerator. There's milk, milk's yeah. favorite cookie, which is Oreo, et cetera, et cetera. I also feel like the idea of milk and like as a necessity and something like you need to feed your kids, which I mean, like is I, the thing, but like, I feel like I would hear that too. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know. That's kind of super random, but I feel like I maybe not as like a, ch a child, like a small kid being like the cost of milk is going <laughs> up. But I feel like I would hear the cost of milk as like a food staple. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. It was like that in the same way that you measure gas prices, even if you don't have a car, yeah. like you're sort of yeah. aware of how much yeah milk or bread would cost. But with mm -hmm. milk, there's fewer like there's less of a price variation at least maybe actually that's not true but like just plain one percent milk or whatever does have like a mm -hmm. standard price that feel felt important also at least I had this I had like a legitimate fear that if I didn't drink enough milk I was gonna have like a massive calci calcium deficiency and that I was gonna have super brittle bones and like break all my bones mm. did you feel that way mm. I I didn't honestly I I feel like uh my mom had like my mom was a little bit of like a hippie when it came to food mm. so I feel like uh something that I would hear a lot is the that like the hormones in milk were causing girls to develop earlier mm. or like were affecting development and so like that in terms of like health I feel like that was the main concern so I like my mom definitely tried to buy like organic foods and stuff but like I think that was a fear of hers and that's something that I heard a lot as a health concern. So like opposite side of the spectrum yeah. kind of is a bad thing. But um, but yeah, I mean, definitely the calcium and bones thing. I feel like we definitely always had vitamins to, or like had vitamins to supplement that. But yeah, I mean, I think the emphasis on that, which like I, I wish I had a jug of milk or I'd look up the uh, like how much calcium is in that or like how much calcium is in cheese or other dairy products or different things so I feel like once you start looking at the big picture you know you can get it from other places yeah you can I did look a little bit into nutritional values but to to be honest nutritional values are one of those things that like go in one ear and out the other like I really try to pay attention to them especially in comparison yeah. to each other yeah maybe we'll get in like we can get into that because you're going to talk about oat <laughs> milk and like one yeah. of the things that I saw a lot was comparing cow's milk to 
specifically to oat milk or like to almond milk, soy milk, all of those things. Yeah. Um. But okay. So something else that you brought up that's interesting is like there's so many different cultural variations of how we talk about milk. So like your family mm-hmm. had those hormone concerns, which I had also heard. But my family, mm-hmm. four people, um, went through at least a gallon of milk a week. So I drank milk all mm-hmm. the time. I would have it with like a full glass of milk with my dinner. I would have like milk in the morning, milk with cereal, all all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important like culturally to think about too, like yeah. family to family and then also like more largely. And so this is sort of a side story. I mentioned this briefly in our veganism episode and it's stayed with me since, which is the worldwide mm-hmm. variance of lactose intolerance. I think is so yes. interesting. That's more on that coming up. It's coming up. Okay, interesting. Yeah, but go off, go off. Okay, I have some stats. So more than one-third of Americans are unable to properly absorb lactose, according to the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. But actually, the frequency of lactose maldigestion varies widely among populations, but is high in nearly all but those of European origin. So basically... Everyone like who does not have a high percentage of European origin cannot produce or mm-hmm. cannot uh, digest lactose. So I sent you a map, which I'll put on our blog okay. for this episode and on our social media that shows like how prevalent lactose intolerance is. And so the lowest amount, which is 10 to 15 yeah. percent of people. So that means like most of most of the people in that area yeah. can, can digest lactose is like Scandinavia, England, Northern Europe and maybe a little bit of like Western Russia. And then the middle category is basically all of England's colonies. So like the U.S., Canada, I guess it stretches down into Mexico, maybe a little bit, Australia, um, and then also Russia. Um, And then Uh other places like it goes throughout a map. And obviously it's going to vary country to country, family to family, ethnicity to ethnicity. Um, But generally, it goes all the way up to 80 to 100 percent of people being lactose intolerant in places like um, the southern part of South America, also South Africa and large parts of like China and Japan and the the Philippines area. Mm -hmm. I just find that so interesting. And like Mm -hmm. when I, at least in my own personal diet of like, we again we talked about this in our vegan episode but like i've been trying to be completely plant based and i've been getting better at like having conversations with people instead of um so basically like not eating meat at all and then like having conversations with like the people that i'm with about eating less dairy and it's mm-hmm. like it's interesting because some people are like oh yeah dairy is gross cow titty milk like no worries and then other people it's like really hard to get your head around Especially if you grew up on like French cooking, Scandinavian cooking, whatever, mm-hmm. where milk and butter and cheese are like so central to the diet. Another thing with lactose intolerance is that it typically goes down with age. So babies are rarely lactose intolerant unless they were born super early, like before they, I guess, developed that tolerance. But obviously, babies need to be able to consume lactose because they consume milk or um, nutrition. What's that called? Mm-hmm. Formula. But like, mm-hmm. they're they're they need to be able to consume milk, 
Um, and so that mm-hmm. it's normal for that to go down with age and for people like for adults to lose their tolerance for lactose. Yeah. One more stat just because I think it's interesting. So um, mm-hmm. in North American adults, lactose maldigestion is found in approximately 79 percent of Native Americans, 75 percent of blacks, 51 percent of Hispanics and 21 percent of Caucasians. So. It varies dramatically. All that yeah. to get us actually into the main story for me, at least, which is the Got Milk campaign. Mm-hmm. So if you've lived in uh, North America in the last few decades, you probably have seen mm-hmm. this campaign. And that was in schools, too. It was everywhere. Like, it was in the library. posters everywhere. Like, you couldn't walk down a hallway without seeing a Got Milk poster. Absolutely. Like, literally everywhere. So, <laughs> this is how it started. A focus group in 1993, run by the advertising firm Goodby Silverstein and Partners. Um, John Steele, who was a partner at the company, he asked focus group members not to consume milk for a week prior to participating in the study. And so a week passes and the focus group members come in and they're all telling stories about how this change impacted their daily lives. So there's one guy that says he considered lying to the group about abstaining from milk for a week (laughs) so that he wouldn't have to eat dry cereal in the morning. There were others that Mm. noted like similar sacrifices of how not drinking milk just for a week impacted their life or made like food less enjoyable in whatever way. So Mm -hmm. it made it clear that there was an emotional connection between people and drinking milk. This kind of snowballed into a strategy called deprivation marketing. So not selling milk itself, but rather the lack of the product. So this was in contrast to their previous slogan, which was milk does a body good, which Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I wasn't around in the 80s, but that like does not seem like a good slogan to me (laughs) it feels like it'd be really hard to misread milk does a body good milk does a body good anyways um yeah but they said great taglines are clumsy so you know Uh so to test out this idea of deprivation marketing they actually put a secret camera in the back of their office's refrigerators and emptied the milk carton so that they could get the reaction of their coworkers when there was no milk Mm. and then that's kind of funny yeah, I think that's like <laughs> kind of manipulative. But I guess if you work at an ad agency, you're probably used to like accidentally being the guinea pig for stuff. And yeah. also the idea, I guess it's just a different world. I've never like I've worked in offices where there's like a snack refrigerator, but I've never worked in one where there's like communal milk and butter and stuff like that. Because why would I? I don't know. We just come into work with things that are already prepared. Yeah. I mean, I I've definitely been places where there's milk for coffee yeah like I only drink like milk only goes with coffee in my mind if I'm going to drink it straight right yeah or like some sort of beverage so I've definitely been places where there's like milk or I mean I would you know almond or what oat milk or whatever right to pour in coffee and I like if it was empty I guess I would be like nah (laughs) you got me Ah, just throw the carton on the ground (laughs) So this whole idea spiraled into the first Got Milk ad, which has become iconic. I'm going to describe it to you. I Mm -hmm. should have sent it to you before. Again, I'll put it on our social media because it's just interesting. 
So this is how the Fast Company described it. They said, a wispy history buff played by Sean Whalen slathers peanut butter on white bread just as the radio announces a contest. It says, and now let's make that random call with today's $10,000 question. It's a tough one. Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel? An antique rifle goes off, and while a painting of the famous duel stares at the sandwich eater from across the room, he's in a room. He's like in an Alexander Hamilton museum. Um, his phone rings. <laughs> he hears the question again and confidently and correctly answers it. Aaron Burr. But the host can't understand the answer from the man's mouth because it's coated with peanut butter. So he's like, mm. Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr, but not making enough sense, I guess. So he just mm-hmm. keeps yelling it into the telephone. And when he reaches for his carton of milk, he finds it empty. So the radio host is like, what, what? I guess we'll have to call someone else. And so hangs up on him and he mm-hmm. loses out on the $10,000. So the idea is that if he had had milk, he would have been able to wash down his peanut butter sandwich and he would have won $10,000. So if only there were some other, you know, something you could drink that like there are just like taps falls from the sky all over your house <laughs> that you can also drink. I don't know, but it wouldn't be so satisfying. So anyways, <laughs> it's um, the commercial was actually directed by Michael Bay when he was a recent grad. So that's just kind of a very cool, fun little tidbit. Um, and future ads take this same strategy. So there was one where this guy thinks that he's in heaven because he like, I think he gets hit by a truck at the beginning of the commercial <laughs> and then dies and then is sent to what he thinks is heaven because there's tons of cookies. But it turns out actually that mm. he's in hell because there's no milk to wash them down. So his like mouth is dry with all these cookies. Like the mm-hmm. idea is making this whole story and then, like, yeah. and often being kind of a dark story that doesn't necessarily reveal what the product is being sold until the final seconds. And so, apparently, this is suggests that the story we tell ourselves about milk is more important than milk itself. So, maybe, maybe, um, maybe they're onto something. I, I mean, it kind of makes sense though. It's like the story that we tell ourselves about milk is more important than milk itself. I believe that, like. Mm-hmm. that definitely I tell myself certain stories about milk whether I realize it or not and these mm-hmm. bad campaigns definitely impacted that so mm-hmm. another thing that the campaign did was that it used celebrity culture as another muscle so the campaign included household names from Serena and Venus Williams to Austin Powers to Naomi Campbell to the Simpsons um, do you have any specific ones that you remember? Uh, honestly Honestly, no. <laughs> I I know I've seen I feel like though I've seen them on everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think there was ever one that I was like, ah yes, now I will drink milk. Uh or like stuck right. out to me like, oh, crazy that this person is promoting it. But like I just feel like again, I feel like they were plastered everywhere all over the schools that I attended to the point where it like almost faded into the background, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like it just became such a part of you know, where I was that I almost didn't even like take a ton of time to think about it. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I one the only one that I can specifically remember is Taylor Swift because I was a huge Taylor Swift fan Mm. growing up. And so she had one. But yeah, you're right. Everyone had one. There was one with Lisa Kudrow and Jennifer Aniston 
as like Phoebe mm-hmm. and Rachel from Friends, mm-hmm. where it's all of them have like a little paragraph about why that specific person drinks milk. So like for Venus and Serena mm-hmm. Williams or any athlete, it'll be about how like strong it makes you and how you need it for your performance. For mm-hmm. there was one with Steven Tyler of Aerosmith where it's like mm-hmm. something about milk making you rock hard or something. Um, <laughs> the the one with uh, Phoebe and Rachel from Friends, though, is kind of messed up, although not surprising because they put it's like the two of them just standing really close to each other. And it's on Lisa Kudrow. It says something to the effect of like, you know, we're good friends. So if you have something in your mouth, like on your face, I'm going to tell you because they're both have the milk mustaches. Uh-huh. So that's the idea, like close friends, whatever. And then on Jennifer Aniston, it's like she's wearing one of those tops that just kind of reveals your lower stomach and like your hip bones. Okay. And she was this sort of icon of, I don't know, attractiveness, especially at the time. And it says, uh-huh. they, it, it's promoting specifically skim milk, something that like keeps you slim, mm. But makes you strong or not. It probably didn't even say anything about being strong. It was just like keeping you slim and giving you nutrition. Mm -hmm. So that's that. But like it, I feel like reading those, it gives you a lot of context to like how people viewed milk and then view the celebrity too. Yeah. Yeah. Like the culture around it and like, yeah, what was seen as desirable or in terms of beauty or in terms of athleticism Mm -hmm. or whatever so yeah it it is like such like a time capsule because did they still run do they still run those or is- no i'll get to that but um okay no so actually let me read i i downloaded the taylor swift one so i'm gonna read it okay. to you it says swift pick in this business you've got to be decisive so i choose milk some studies suggest that teens who choose milk instead of sugary drinks tend to be leaner and the protein helps build muscle so eat right exercise and drink three glasses of low-fat or fat-free milk a day. <laughs> Music to my ears. And then, actually, the slogan there, I just noticed, is it, it isn't got milk, which is what it usually says. Mm. This one says body by milk. But I know Richard with, like, so their weird. newer campaign and with, like, probably with this body by milk, I would bet money that that goes uh-huh. to the same website that's, like, gonna need yeah. com. that's all, like, part of the same situation. Yeah. Uh, it it literally it it makes me want to scream because like I get that there's there's some nutritional value to milk, mm-hmm. but you can also get that from food. Yeah, and like it's acting like water doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I just just drink a glass of water. <laughs> That's better than or like has less sugar than sugary drinks. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> like I don't know. I'm just I'm I just ah just drink water. Right. It's probably more hydrating. I don't know. Is, should that be the title of this episode? <laughs> Just drink water, milk. Just drink, got water? Ah, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I don't, I, like every single time, like specifically with drinks and comparing them to other drinks and being like, this has fewer calories, which like, I don't give a shit about whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, like eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but like, if you're going to compare it to something, Guess what has less sodium and less sugar and less calories than sugary drinks? Milk. And gets Anything. rid of that annoying dry scratchiness in your <laughs> dry <throat>. mouth. <laughs> water. Ah. But not so bottled water. I, 
but <laughs> not bottled water because the, then again your tab we could get into the way that m- water has been marketed at least and then too. that will just be a whole <laughs> another situation <laughs> i'm just gonna never stop screaming but every <laughs> single time drink like n- n- nutrition values are compared i'm just like there is water yeah that has no calories and no sodium or sugar <laughs> oh my god just drink that again you're not wrong so sorry sorry <laughs> uh i'll 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 move on um so <laughs> speaking of like attitudes toward milk or toward the towards these campaigns one that i originally had put like a variety of people and one of the people i put in there was bill clinton and so i was like that mm-hmm. seems weird that bill clinton would especially like becoming president in the late 90s like that he would have done an ad campaign that just seems odd mm-hmm. so i looked it up and i did i send that one to you too i think i did yes Yes. So if you look at that, again, it'll be on our website. Mm-hmm. It's Bill Clinton and Bob Dole who were um, the the Alex. What are the the what's the word? I was going to say contestants. What's the fucking word? President elects or is mm-hmm. no, that's when Con- they're elected. The <laughs> contestants, <laughs> the nominees, nominees. Oh, my God. Is that the right word? Maybe. Not once you get the nomination, you're the pre- presidential nominee. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I wrote, I literally wrote here because I couldn't think of the word. I was like Bill Clinton and his <laughs> presidential election opponent Bob Dole. What's wrong with us? Maybe we don't drink enough milk. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so there's maybe. an ad that Too has much the, rice milk. Yeah, that has the two of them side by side. They have the milk mustache on, uh-huh. and under it it says "Vote Strengthen America's Backbone." And I just like it turns out basically that this was not authorized. It was an unauthorized ad that ran right before the election. Um, and they used early photo editing Photoshop to make the milk mustache on each. Man. Oh, my God. So I found a CNN article from 1996 and the they were so chill about it, which just like really surprised me. So Clinton's spokesman, he said, as near as we can tell, it's not authorized, but we are taking this in a lighthearted manner. It is milk after all. And then the Dole spokesman was like, we don't care. Also, we it says it shows that the reason Bob Dole is so vigorous right now is because he drank his milk. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, yeah, they're like they're basically just don't care, which is so surprising to me because I feel like nominees are so particular about where their image and their likeness is used that yeah. for them to just be like, mm, we didn't authorize this ad, but like, I guess it's fine. Yeah. But like, I almost imagine like what that like PR meeting looked like because yeah, as someone who's running for president and as like something like milk, which I feel like is depicted as this like wholesome American thing, it's going to look bad for you mm-hmm. to be like, take that down or like, I hate milk. Because then everyone's yeah. going to be like, Bill Clinton hates milk. <laughs> and yeah, so that's interesting. That, I feel like that was like a sneaky little, they won't, they can't say no. Yeah. And then once it's out, like, it's out. publicity thing. Yeah. And so the National Fluid Milk Processor Promotion Board or the agency that produced the ad were not available to CNN in 1996 for a comment, which again is mm. not surprising because like, what would you have to say that would make that situation any better you could only make it worse Mm -hmm. 
So Mm -hmm. one thing that I did skip over a little bit is that the milk processor education program, which became Milk Pep, um, adapted the ad campaign soon after its creation. So then they like created the milk mustache ad campaigns, like uh, print ads Mm -hmm. and billboards and all those posters that we saw. And then Mm -hmm. the like that was just also connected to the Got Milk commercials. So more than 70 commercials ran on television in California alone. There was like a big focus on California. And some 350 milk mustache ads ran nationally in print and on TV. According to Fast Company, any given day, an estimated 80% of all U.S. consumers came into contact with the Got Milk campaign, which is just crazy to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They had this good quote from the UC Berkeley journalism dean, Ed Wasserman. Um, He said, they start with a product with no personality, which, if anything, was forced upon generations of children, which very few adults drank or would admit to drinking, whose health benefits are questionable, whose environmental impact is dubious, and they turned it into something that has a kind of panache. They had a concession of unlikely subjects and had them pose in a way that most people would have deemed a self-parody or ludicrous, and yet it worked. And you might think, like, if you associate this with everyone having their own Got Mel campaign, you might think Mm -hmm. that they're spending a lot of money on celebrities, but actually it was around $25,000, around $25,000 that each celebrity would get, and often they would donate it to charity, and it was just that, like, the a lot of celebrities just wanted to do that. They saw it as, like, a Levi's campaign, kind of a classic ad. And so yeah. there was even um, Whoopi Goldberg really wanted to do one, but she doesn't drink milk. And that was a requirement. In order to do the ad, you had to actually drink milk. Oh, my God. And so there's a special Got Milk ad or Milk Mustache ad with Whoopi Goldberg, but it's for lactose-free milk, which is, like, oh blows my mind but people kind of saw this i think that's interesting too and like with the milk and cotton it's not so much that they're getting so much money to to like put their name in front of this thing maybe part of why they are Mm -hmm. accepting much less money is because it's for like a category rather than a brand yeah which is interesting and obviously the milk processing board can capitalize on that like that you're just doing something Uh good and whatever helping kids or i don't know yeah so the board licensed the got milk idea to oreos and cheerios free of charge with the idea that no other beverage serves the same function as milk for their products which Mm -hmm. again they're not wrong but there are other kinds of milk that's like yeah a big one and also you can have oreos without milk for sure Mm -hmm. but when this campaign was and like at the height of this campaign, it wasn't as known that there were other types of milk. Yeah. I mean, there were obviously because like, I mean, as a kid, like I drank like rice milk and soy milk and stuff. But it's definitely harder um, to find. It may be more expensive. But harder to find. Yeah. More expensive. We might have had to go to a health food store. I can't remember. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense that like, oh, of course, it's only this. Right. And then, like, if you think about Milk's favorite cookie, I didn't look into that to see if it was directly, like, Mm -hmm. at the same time period as when they got this licensing from Got Milk. But I just thought that was Mm -hmm. super interesting. And then that also allows those massive brands to capitalize on this popular campaign and really recognizable campaign. But then it also, Mm -hmm. in and of itself, makes the campaign even more recognizable. 
Um, also, yeah. just an interesting thing is that like 180 of the print ads were done by Annie Leibovitz. It's like an incredibly famous mm. portrait photographer. Yeah. So th- it kind of gives them that iconic kind of timeless look as well. Yeah. And then more people that they licensed to were Girl Scout cookies. Mattel made a Got Milk Barbie, which I sent you. Wow. It's like the Got Milk logo. It's a special edition. It has like cookies behind it. Uh-huh. And she's wearing these cow print overalls and like pink everything. It says mm-hmm. special straw for yeah. sipping in style. Oh, I guess she comes with like a pink twisty straw. So that you can drink milk. Yes. With your Got Milk Barbie. It's not. Yeah, it's not a it's not a Barbie straw. It's a straw for you, mm-hmm. which is so funny. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's not like her size. And then, yeah. Oh, another one was Cookie Monster, who never promotes brands, but they convinced like mm. whatever Sesame Street people that it was a category and not a brand. And so then they could get Cookie Monster, obviously milk and cookies. Makes sense. Yeah. So it just kind of makes this into the the this massive iconic thing that, yeah, to a certain extent, you see it so often that you don't even consider it like uh, an advertisement anymore. Which when mm-hmm. when ads get into that category, that like echelon, I guess it just I don't know. I find it so interesting. Yeah, yeah, transcends marketing or like, yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so. In 2014, Got Milk was retired in favor of the new phrase, Milk Life. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say that with a straight hashtag face. Hashtag Milk Life. Hashtag Milk Life. Am I right? Um, hashtag sponsored by milk. Um, <laughs> uh, that will apparently <laughs> highlight the protein benefit of milk, um, according to the milk, milk Pep representative, who represent a bunch of U.S. milk processors. And they said the idea is not about getting rid of Got Milk. While most Americans have milk in their refrigerators, they've either forgotten or never knew the nutritional value in milk and why they should consume more of it. They focused, now they're focusing less on celebrities and more on everyday people. There was one ad that was like this little boy in his living room and he has a milk cape. So it's like he's pretending to have a cape, but it's actually made Mm -hmm. of, it looks like splashing milk. And it reads, start your day with the power of protein, milk life. (laughs) Again, I can't say that with a straight face. Yeah. Um, but milklife.com, the website, still has the Got Milk logo in the corner. Um, so even now, six or seven years later, mm-hmm. they haven't abandoned the campaign completely. It's just kind of transitioning into this idea of protein. So everywhere on their website, it's all about starting your day with protein, getting your protein from milk, um, and specifically about like the nutritional value of milk. Mm-hmm. I told you I didn't write this down, but there's like one thing that they do sort of sub- subtly try to do on their website is that they are trying to make it specifically about why cow's milk is absolutely what you need. So that's also another thing of focusing on the nutritional value. Mm-hmm. They focus on the differences between cow's milk and plant based milks. So mm-hmm. they have like a whole blog post about. It says milk versus oat milk because they're never calling it cow's milk. There's not even really the mm-hmm. cow print. Like, I know there was cow print Barbie, but other than that, I haven't seen like the cow print in a ton of places. And maybe that has something hmm. to do. I don't know. With interesting plant-based milks, I'm not sure. But they talk all about the protein, the calcium value of cow's milk. And mm-hmm. again, I've said this like six times in this thing. They're not wrong. 
the nutritional value mm-hmm. of cow's milk versus almond milk versus soy milk, et cetera, is different. Like they're not mm-hmm. identical replacements for each other in the same way that like impossible meat as uh, I think was the one that had like a very comparable nutritional value to yeah, yeah. beef based burgers. And so that is like something that's worth noting if you're assuming that putting something, putting like soy milk, for example, into your cereal is going to have the exact same nutritional value, but it's comparable in the same way that you were like talking about Mm -hmm. getting your calcium and your protein from other sources. You can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And also there is calcium, protein in all of like other types of milk. It's just varying nutritional values. Yeah. Orange juice fortifies it's most like a lot of them fortify with calcium and vitamin D and stuff. Yeah. So like for the reason, like I think it's like because of milk, mm-hmm. but well, no, that was another thing they say is yeah, that again, this is just according to the, the gotta need milk.com. Yeah. But I did look on other websites. I just, again, I can't retain any of that information for more than five seconds, but it was like that, Milk can be fortified for vitamins A and D, but there are more naturally occurring milks or more naturally occurring vitamins in certain types of cow's milk. But like that's not taking into account like fat or calorie count or um, all the mm-hmm. like not good things that are in milk or obviously any of the things that come with drinking something from an animal that's meant for a baby animal. So mm-hmm. Uh, that's just kind of a side note on that stuff. But the Got Milk campaign, I think regardless of whether or not you've consumed milk in your lifetime, it's, it's so interesting to see how campaigns like that impact how we view different food products. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my story. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. It, it is just crazy because it's so just like, yeah, it was so pervasive literally everywhere and then now it's still it's still in places but since it's not like so focused on celebrity power i don't know i'm i'm starting to see got mail campaigns as something that like maybe would have showed up in our early 2000s schools but i don't know if they're still in schools Mm -hmm. now it would seem like sort of a retro thing almost to me i don't know yeah yeah no yeah that would be interesting yeah what are the kids now what are they getting marketed but we were also literally born into this marketing campaign because like we drank milk as babies and then like this Uh campaign was already fired up and ready to go by the time we were like would have in theory been like weaned off of milk so yeah I don't know yeah that's crazy yeah so yeah I I mean yeah I feel like it's such like a product of our our childhood Mm -hmm. so should should we get into a possible substitute yes let's do it for milk let's do it Okay, so I'm obviously talking about oat milk. Uh, my sources, maybe not obviously, I think I mentioned it before, but <laughs> talking about oat milk, my sources are uh, CBS News, EcoAge, Reuters, The Intercept, CNBC, NASDAQ, The CEO Magazine, and the Frontier Interview Series. So specifically with oat milk, um, <laughs> I feel like it's something that I kind of like fixated over a little bit over the pandemic hmm. just because it was such like it was just such a comfort thing for me because I do I do use oat milk pretty much every day between like drinking coffee baking if I have granola sometimes I'll put oat milk in there mm-hmm. and like I love making drinks 
uh, in the afternoon, specifically like matcha lattes and stuff like that. But while everything was kind of spinning out of control with, you know, people not following CDC guidelines and just things being crazy, I was kind of like, do we have a couple cartons of oat milk in the fridge? Okay, it's fine. I'll just sit here and drink my coffee and try to get through the day. But yeah, so so oat milk has been something that over the last year I've just like thought a lot about. Mm. Obviously, something that's been on my mind. And I'm going to talk specifically today about Oatly oat milk. So Oatly oat milk was initially developed by Rickard Osta to make a milk designed for humans to drink since the majority of the world is lactose intolerant, Mm -hmm. kind of as you were saying. So something that we kind of take for granted, but most people cannot drink it. Rickard uh, actually studied under the professor or like one of the people who discovered lactose intolerance or or maybe like, you know, more discovered its application or whatever. Hmm. So this was kind of something that was near and dear to his heart. So he saw soy milk come along in the 80s and really wanted to make something even better. So he collaborated with folks at Lund University in Sweden, including oat scientists, food processing scientists, and enzyme and protein experts to make the first oat milk in 1994. And they filed a patent for it. Meanwhile, Rickard's brother Bjorn was off working at a tech security company that he started. But he thought Rickard was onto something and that he had a really good idea. But Rickard was kind of struggling in the late 90s with this product because people just like weren't really biting at it, which makes sense with the map that you showed with like Northern European countries having the lowest uh, lactose intolerance. Mm -hmm. But while I generally think of U.S. dairy consumption as very high, Sweden actually has a 50% higher per capita consumption of dairy. Wow. um, Which is a lot. (laughs) And the rates of lactose intolerance are way lower. So, uh, like, I think according to the thing you sent, it's, like, less than 15%. Yeah. So, people just, like, weren't really that interested in the idea of oat milk in his local area. So uh, Bjorn went to one of Rickard's trade shows and noted that kind of while in the tech world that he was used to, people were always, you know, introducing the next version. If the first thing didn't work or there was a bug with it or something, you know, no big deal. On to the next thing. Maybe this next one will, will be better. And people were always kind kind of like, constantly interested in the next version and the next improvement Mm -hmm. um but if someone tried a food uh like or a food product and they didn't like it it was very very difficult to get them to come back and try it a second time even if it was like a totally new version that's so that's kind of the struggle yeah which i mean even like with veganism or like trying different things uh you know if it's not what people are expecting like people get like turned off really fast yeah it's not perfectly right so first impressions are incredibly important 
But yeah, I was just like, oh, you're right. Like we give so many other things so many chances. Yeah. Um, and especially with tech, you're always you're almost sold on. Yeah. The next thing while you're buying something current. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about any of the Apple or like Microsoft conferences and stuff, mm-hmm. it's selling something that's not even there yet. But yeah, I like yeah. actively. I don't know. I've had to, t- to like teach myself to not avoid vegan restaurants I've never been to when I'm with other people because I would always be like if mm-hmm. they're just on the edge about like even trying something that's vegan if mm-hmm. if we go to a place I've never been to and it's bad then like that's it that I will never stop hearing yeah. about it yeah or they're never going to want to go to any vegan restaurant because yeah. that one was bad so it's it's kind of and it's something to think about I feel like they're just like people's reactions and like I don't know can we work to make that a little more flexible I don't know. But I saw I was like, that is so true. Mm-hmm. So basically at this trade show, they're kind of just sitting there and watching people's faces react to oat milk was super nerve wracking because like they knew if like someone like wasn't 100 percent sure or whatever. That was bad news. Um, but Bjorn believed in the project enough that he eventually left his tech company to work in the world of oat milk. Uh when he told his friends that he was getting out of tech to work in oat milk, mm-hmm. they were super confused and they were like, goat milk? You're gonna are you gonna like go milk milk goats? <laughs> and he was like, No, 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 no. Oat milk, not goat milk. And they they were even more confused by that. Like they couldn't wrap their head around like oat milk? What? So he was just doing something totally different. But Bjorn brought his business expertise to the product and they launched Oatly in 2001. So the company then slowly grew up or no, it didn't grow up. <laughs> it's a little baby. <laughs> it drank its milk and grew nice <laughs> and strong. Uh, no, the company slowly grew until 2012 when they brought on. <laughs> I don't know. I, no, I just have the giggles. I need to like get a glass of water or something water (laughs) a hydrating thing that's not milk okay the company slowly grew until 2012 (laughs) no Uh, i'm i'm the worst if if i get you gave me the giggles i'm blaming that on you you will turn Uh, off my video (laughs) milk milk it's just ruining my brain okay the company slowly grew until 2012 when they brought on Tony Tony Peterson as CEO. That's not funny, but milk is just ruining my brain. We're going to go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they brought on Tony Peterson as CEO, who had a lot of restaurant and startup experience. Startup experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I will I'll take out some of this, but I can't take out all of this because our, our mood noticeably changed. <laughs> changes between then and there. Okay. Peterson came in and made a bunch of really big changes. Um, so first he changed the branding, which I sent you a picture of this. Mm. So the original Oatly came in these like bold, solid colored cartons in black, brown, blue, and green. They're very bright. And they have the word Oatly kind of small and in red in the upper left-hand corner. So I'll definitely post that on socials, put it on the blog, but very, very different from what uh, we know 
as Oatly branding today. And it's kind of like, kind of other oat milk brands kind of followed suit. It's very corporate though. It's like, it's just, it's very plain. And then there's like a swipe under it. But it reminds me of like the Cisco logo or something super corporate. Yeah, yeah, it does. And very like, like kind of, yeah, just more plain and yeah, kind of, yeah, definitely very similar to other food logos mm-hmm. for like that have a, carry a lot of products, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Like is Nabisco one like the red. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But like, but I know what you mean. It's like they have multiple products, so they have a very general logo. Yes, exactly. So. Peterson came in and changed that red logo to the big bubbly Oatly right in the middle of the carton that we know today. And then he also changed the packaging copy from Swedish to English so it could reach U.S. audiences and other markets around the world a lot more easily. So, I mean, if you see the other Oatly like also has Swedish writing on it. So it's just like harder to expand. Peterson also made the key marketing decision to play up the environmental benefits of oat milk compared to dairy. So he commissioned a report that said, on average, a liter of Oatly product consumed in place of cow's milk results in 80% less greenhouse gas emissions, 79% less land usage, and 60% less energy consumption. So Oatly sponsored report, but that was the finding. On top of that, Oat milk is seemingly better than other dairy alternatives as well, since, for example, rice farming leads to more fertilizer runoff than oat milk, and almond milk requires more water since most almonds are primarily grown in drought-prone California. Also, just side note, oats grow really well in Sweden because not too hot, not too cold, whatever. Hmm. So, makes sense that it was developed there. Also, another key thing here is remember how I said, you know, once people try a food product and decide, you know, not like they just didn't like it and they just don't go back. Peterson introduced the barista blend of Oatly oat milk, uh, which was a really cool idea. So to introduce Oatly to the U.S. in 2016, Oatly sent representatives to high-end coffee shops in New York City and shared the product with local baristas in person. This was great because then baristas were able to recommend and share the product themselves and consumers were able to try Oatly in a way that was more guaranteed to be delicious. So you're going to get your Oatly product in a beautiful latte, you know, maybe with some nice latte art, like automatically you're going to be more prone to have a good experience. Yeah. And I guess it makes you think of it as like a luxury thing as opposed to ugh, like I have to have oat milk because I can't drink dairy for whatever reason. Like it's a pro. Instead, yeah. Yeah. It just it was introduced. Yeah. And it was like high end coffee shops, like luxury. Someone is paying for a nice latte. It's made correctly. It's paired with, you know, beans that are probably very good. You're, you're not pouring it in your, you know, Folgers coffee at home or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you're having it in something that's like really nice. So by 2017, 650 coffee shops in the US were carrying Oatly. 
Um, which like just a side note, oat milk is something that people love in their coffee. And I 100% agree just because it's so creamy and like kind of like just sweet enough. And also with other dairy alternatives like almond milk, I feel like when you pour it in, it so often separates Mm. and gets like that gross, like flaky look to it. Yeah. And it just kind of like separates and doesn't like keep a creamy texture. But I've never had that problem with oat milk. So great in coffee, doesn't separate. Better for the environment. You know, I feel like you can't go wrong. And introducing it through coffee shops was kind of genius because, again, they're setting themselves up for a win. And they get to charge more for it, too, at the time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. which is stupid. But it does make a a pro for the coffee shops to be able to, like, sell it as a luxury thing. Yeah, charge an extra dollar or whatever, Mm -hmm. which which I hate. I wish all or like all milks were just, it's just the same. Yeah. Uh, Or an extra dollar. They could charge extra. It's so ridiculous. That's a lot. I'm like, I want to splash. Yeah. (laughs) I drink my coffee black, Uh, so like that part doesn't appeal to me. But like lattes and stuff, especially I usually only get those when I go out. And actually my coffee shop or one of the coffee shops that I like that sells like pastries and stuff too in in Brooklyn, that's all vegan. They have their barista blend oat milk like lined up on the back, like right Mm. behind the cash register. So you can see exactly what brands you're getting. And then like it's, the same brands now that you can like access at a lot of stores so I don't know yeah yeah so and again like if you see it in the coffee shop and I've I've seen a lot of signs too like uh Oatly signs in New York coffee shops Mm. um but like if you're like oh I really liked my coffee with oat milk now I'm gonna go buy it for myself to drink at home to put my coffee or whatever um but yeah again mostly i the only reason I have oat milk besides like baking is for making drinks and putting it in my coffee, mm-hmm. which means I'm I'm drinking a very small amount. I truly do not give a shit about the health benefits <laughs> of any kind of milk. Do not care. Is it going to make my coffee yummy? Great. Yeah. Cool. Like I would put like frosting in my coffee and if it, you know, what I don't care. Right. Uh, but <laughs> there are some benefits of oat milk which are lowering cholesterol um that's just a big thing with oats in general like cheerios talked about that a lot in their marketing Hmm. that's true yeah which i mean it's i know got got milk partnered with cheerios yeah if they partner with oatly they could be like double the cholesterol lowering powers <laughs> less uh, cholesterol you'll have <laughs> double the less cholesterol get on board <laughs> double the oats is using so many Half the double cholesterol. so lowers cholesterol which i just think is interesting with mm-hmm. cheerios uh that you know could use it in your cheerios if you're worried about your cholesterol uh fortified vitamins which again could be in anything you could I, from what I understand, like any liquid, you could fortify mm-hmm. it. Orange juice. It does have fewer calories, less fat, lower sodium, and lower cholesterol to start with compared to dairy milk. So that's all a thing. But really, all I want is a perfectly creamy and just sweet enough plant-based milk to make my coffee delicious. And oat milk 
does the job. So like I'm 100% behind it. I'm a big fan. Even with the controversy that I know you're going to get into. That's what I was going to say. Uh, Damn, and now I, did I fuck up your transition? <laughs> no, it's fine. I was like, and now that I've given Oatly a completely glowing review, um, which I don't have Oatly oat milk right now. I have uh, a different brand, but who cares? It's all good. Um, <laughs> who cares? But now that I've raved, <laughs> now that I've raved about Oatly, let's get into the more complicated business here. So you you knew you knew it couldn't be all good. So oat milk totally exploded over the pandemic. Bjorn Oste partly attributes this to people falling back on comfort foods, mm. which like at me, why don't you? Uh, that's like 100 <laughs> percent me. I fall into that category, fell for any marketing ploys like oat milk was so comforting. Like I loved my like warm drinks. And yeah. So, yeah, you're welcome. Oatly. I helped. You. It just like gave you something to separate. This is so depressing, but like something to separate your day out. Like I would make turmeric milk, um, like not necessarily oat milk, but almond milk, usually lattes. And that was literally I would yeah. only do that sometimes for my digestion, but usually for just like something to do, <laughs> like a special drink to have. No, that's literally in the afternoon. I would make little like lattes or make some sort of tea, mm-hmm. usually something like a little more fancy again. So I could just be like. <laughs> This is my time where I drink my drink. <laughs> when someone asks you what you did, there's just not like a complete void. It's like, oh, I made a matcha latte. It's like, yeah, I made a matcha latte. Um, so, so yeah, super depressing. But like from the morning time when I drank coffee and then like in the afternoon when I had another little drink and then when I woke up the next day and drank oat milk my coffee again, like it, it helped a little. So, <laughs> so if sad. everyone else... Sorry. <laughs> it's like the most depressing no, thing I've it ever is. heard, but it's also it's really depressing. Completely it's same. Really, it's fine. Mm. You can look forward to your oat milk drinks yeah. and get you through to get you through the day and get you through the afternoon and give you a purpose in life. Yes, food um, should bring joy. So that's a big one. <laughs> should bring joy. So again, like again, I could give a shit about the health benefits if it tastes delicious. So it seemed like everyone not just me, was drinking a ton of oat milk. So U.S. sales of oat milk jumped 131% last year. And Oatly's revenue more than doubled in 2020 to $421.4 million. So they kind of, with with the um, pandemic and coffee stores closing and stuff, they were like, oh shit, we're fucked. And then like everyone bought oat milk and it literally didn't matter. <laughs> so... <laughs> you should do the news. I would live for the news to be like that. Like they were so worried about it, and then everyone bought oat milk, and it was fine. Who cares? <laughs> and now, now for the economy, <laughs> things looked really bad, but then people were like, "Yes, we want that." So they had no problems. Capitalism. Uh, over to you, lives Olivia. Again. <laughs> uh, so, good year for oat milk. Uh, things are overall looking up for plant-based milks with global sales of dairy substitutes reaching 18 billion in 2020 uh, with oat milk seeing the biggest growth of all those things. Almond milk is still on the rise as well, but other milks like rice milk, soy milk, coconut milk are not doing as well. They're going down a little bit. So the popularity of oat milk and oatly 
as a brand attracted investors. And last July, Oatly sold a 10% stake in the company for $200 million to a group of investors led by Blackstone Group. Some of those investors include Oprah, Natalie Portman, former Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz, and Rock Nation, Jay-Z's entertainment company, which seems cool. But Blackstone Group has ties to deforestation in the Amazon and the literally CEO. the worst. Yeah, literally the worst. And the CEO of Blackstone, Stephen Schwazman, has donated millions of dollars to the Trump administration and Mitch McConnell. So that's kind of the bad news. Like the yeah, there's some bad stuff. I feel like whenever you get lots of money, there's something questionable going on. But on the other hand, some other high up people at Blackstone like have donated to Democratic politicians and they're starting to invest in some more eco-friendly companies like Oatly. But like uh, percentage wise, I feel like I, I went to um, a co-sponsored by like Sunrise, Extinction Rebellion, 350, all those things mm-hmm. demonstration a couple months ago. It's part of actually Stop the Money Pipeline, um, which we talked about yeah. last episode in all of our Stop Line 3 stuff. And so we went in front of the Blackstone headquarters in New York City and like there was this whole demonstration of like pouring black paints everywhere and all this stuff. Mm. And I can't remember any of the numbers now, but like the even with the transitions that they've made into more eco-friendly areas, like they're Mm -hmm. still massively profiting off of the climate crisis and off of fossil fuels. So, yeah, they need to change. So that's like good if they're changing in some aspects, but they have a lot more that they need to do before like. I will be appeased at least. Yeah. No, 100%. So yeah, like I'm not saying uh, back to my, uh, this is like, a, I'm not saying Blackstone is good for you, but I'm saying that only, I don't know, whatever. Uh, no, Black. well, yeah. It's maybe, I mean, it is obviously like definitely sketchy money, mm-hmm. but like the fact that Oatly has more money to grow isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. So that's kind of a like, there are definitely pros there and there are definitely cons there. I'm not going to make a specific judgment yeah. on that call. It's kind of like a, mm, don't know how I feel. It's just something to be aware of. Right. But also, yeah, you're right. If they're investing in like oat milk, which is good for the environment and like a turn away from things that are worse for the environment, then like, why should we stop that? I get that. Yeah. So like, mm, not sure, but like good to know and good to be aware of in case like, I mean, they do have like a t- like 10% of the company. So like if Oatly starts doing like really bad things or something or starts making questionable decisions or is influenced by that money, then like, you know, we have a root of that. Right. So more on the growth front, a few weeks ago, actually, at the end of May, Oatly went public and Oatly Group issued shares at $17 each and raised $1.4 billion. Uh, And then on the first day of trading, the shares went up 19% to $20.20, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. 2020 is a really good number for Oatly. And the market capitalization came to roughly $12 billion. So big news for Oatly. They're worth a lot of money now. And people 
love them. So, but kind of as we were saying before, like, what does this mean to have so much money and so much growth behind some like a company that's trying to be eco-friendly and trying to be an Mm eco-friendly alternative to dairy milk and also a more eco-friendly option when you're choosing between your plant-based milks. So like all of this has happened relatively recently. Like even even that that big investment happened less than a year ago. So I think, you know, all any effect of that is kind of yet to be seen. But it's something to watch out for. Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, I feel like in terms of companies in the environment, it seems like bigger is kind of almost always worse. Yeah. Like, should there be a billion dollar oat milk company? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Or is that something small farmers should do or whatever? Could Oatly support small farmers? And then maybe it's still relatively good. I don't really know. Yet to be seen. But something to keep our eyes on. But I think Oatly and oat milk as a whole is poised to challenge the dairy industry in a really, really big way because kind of similar to Beyond Meat and Impossible Burgers, although nutritional value is different, oat milk is a really easy switch for people who are interested in having a more plant-based diet without having to change their traditions or routines uh, and without having to sacrifice flavor or quality. Uh, Again, especially around coffee, I feel like that's such an ingrained ritual and is something that is just like so important to our culture. Mm-hmm. And again, like, you know, afternoon pick me up drinks or whatever, or afternoon get me through this fucking pandemic drinks mm-hmm. are so important. And that's something that people aren't really going to be willing to give up without a fight. So oatmeal kind of comes in. It's just like, here I am, this maybe even more delicious thing. So I'm personally very excited to see what Oatly does over the next few years and like how they continue to grow and if they can kind of give like big milk a run for their money. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess just the last thing I want to point out is that in all of the coverage of Oatly and everything, there's honestly isn't very much focus on the original founders and it's kind of portrayed as this overnight success because its rapid growth kind of was. It blew up over the last, you know, five years, Mm -hmm. if you want to, you know, and really in like 2017, 2018, and 2020 was a huge year for it. So it's portrayed as this overnight success, but oat milk uh, and Oatly is as old as us. So it's taken... Which actually, it's kind of funny. I think the Got Milk campaigns were launched. 93 um, at the same kind time. Kind of to 96, the different campaigns. So okay. yeah, same same range. Uh, so 94, same range. Mid-90s, crazy time for milk. Mm-hmm. But it's taken our entire lifetime for Oatly to really gain like global popularity and global mm-hmm. success. And like it was obviously, like it was developed in a market where people love dairy. And like uh, Bjorn was kind of saying that it's almost like this holy thing, like people love it. So this product didn't initially really make sense to the people that it was introduced to. So I think it's kind of just a really cool story to look at in terms of 
the climate crisis now and maybe, you know, products or solutions that people are developing or thinking about that, like maybe the people and like the market just isn't quite ready for. But in 20 years from now, that's going to be your go to product. That's going to be your go to solution. Like that's going to be the norm. And sometimes it does take 20 years. So I just thought that was really, really, or 20, 25 Mm -hmm. years. So, so yeah, I just thought that was really, really cool. Um, Especially with, uh, compared to Bjorn, who, again, coming from a tech background, talked about how people really champion those like few year successes. Like, you know, this app was made in, in three years, it sold for a billion dollars or whatever. So those kind of like quick viral successes that end up making a lot of money and take off extremely quickly. Um, But that's not necessarily how success looks. It could be like a really slow burn. It might take, yeah, 25 years to have your your viral moment. Right. So I just thought that was really cool. And I love looking into the the earlier, earlier days of Ovi. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it also... It's cool because you think like, oh, the vegan food market, for example, in the past five years, it feels like so much Mm -hmm. stuff has popped up or more than five years. But like Mm -hmm. so much stuff, again, as we talked about in our veganism episode, like has popped up in the last few decades and especially the last few years. So it's like there's probably a lot more products Mm -hmm. that are in the final stages of development right now or maybe have like an earlier version Mm -hmm. that's on the market right now that we're not paying attention to. But like those there are tons of options that can exist that don't involve yeah Yeah. meat and dairy or other types of foods that are just really intensive yeah the the thing that makes Mm -hmm. me well I was realizing when you were talking that I don't really buy oat milk I probably will start Mm. because I've just been thinking about it it's just not like I don't put milk in my coffee and I just use it for smoothies and stuff so I I like the taste of unsweetened almond milk and that's what I've stuck to but I realize I know what the yeah. packaging looks like for the brand that I get, but I don't even know what the name is. Whereas Oatly is like a name brand that I hear all the time. Yeah. And I could not name a single other brand of oat milk, honestly. Yeah, there's yeah, uh, there's a couple like the one that I have, I think it's called Minor Figures because I was, I was writing about a couple mm. different options. I think they're based out of London. But yeah, I mean, it's also like Oatly, like Oatly. Right. It's like says what it is too so I feel like it's just like really easy to remember and it's so big on the box now too yeah mm-hmm. so it's like really front and center like it it's like it's oatly I don't know I mean I guess maybe it does say oat milk on there but like it just oh it's the product no it's yeah, just oat like milk is like oat in is a in a different going into the cup yeah so it's really easy to remember so like I think their branding and everything is really good and their marketing campaign was just so successful and I mean I think it's so smart to kind of not rush to the like larger market and just like start in Mm -hmm. coffee shops and make the personal connections and I feel like supply chain wise that's smart too right especially if you're coming like Mm -hmm. if that was coming to the U.S. for example like finding suppliers here I wonder where their oats are sourced from for the most part if it is in Sweden or like Scandinavia or if it's here I'm not sure honestly um that would be interesting to look into and how open they are too about their supply chain because that's that's the thing that concerns me about the almond milk that I buy too I was 
I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that I buy non-dairy milks, but it is true. Like if I'm buying it from a massive conglomerate that's like not taking care of the soil, not taking care of farmers, not taking care of the ecosystem yeah. or like all the different things. How actually eco-friendly is my almond milk? I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, for any product, once it gets big, it's like, okay, unless they're being intentional yeah. about stuff. Something to think about with that. But yeah, I do love oat milk. And yeah, apparently even with plant-based milks, it is just like less resource intensive. Yeah. Cool. That's a lot of milk talk. <laughs> but look, it's so interesting. So much milk talk. Because it is, it's just such like a cultural thing it's like like so ingrained in yeah but it doesn't have to be that way it's just that we're obsessed with like the u.s especially is obsessed with milk but also all the other countries on that lactose map that i talked about but like yeah think about there's so many cultures and places where like they don't think about milk every day where we do and i just like yeah my mind's crazy yeah um, should we go to the dump? Yeah, let's do it. Um, well, it's only been a couple of days since we last recorded, so nothing has. really happened. But I, I realized that we talked about we talked about how we were going to watch the Bo Burnham mm. special, but then we never unpacked it after we watched. Oh my it. gosh, so much to unpack. What do you think? I, I mean, I really liked. I it. I loved it. I also can't get the Jeffrey Bezos song stuck out of my. Out oh of my, my gosh. Head. It's just yes. in there now. I actually Forever. forget how it goes. I need to listen. I know they put the soundtrack on like streaming websites. I need to download it and listen to uh-huh. it, which I don't. I'm not like a big musical person, so I don't really listen to the soundtracks of things that are like meant to be or like originally films unless it's instrumental. Yeah, I'm not. Either, but I really yeah. want to listen to that because there's so much to to every song. And yeah, the Jeff Bezos one. Like, uh-huh. I love Bo Burnham. He gives me an existential crisis like 30 seconds <laughs> into anything he does. Uh-huh. And yeah, I just thought it wasn't like the funniest of his specials, but I don't also don't think that that's what I needed no. right now from him in that sense. Yeah. It, it was just yeah. like very true to the experience of like isolation and quarantine and honestly like the name of this podcast like world is burning and just feeling like things are crumbling around you yeah that I feel like he captured that really well yeah no I agree and I mean I feel like hit a good tone I guess of like what comedy feels like now I mean it feels like a lot of people are doing like just darker or more serious yeah more aware things but yeah I thought it was really good all like the songs were you know a lot of them have gotten stuck in my head. They're yeah. Very good. Um, and it's just beautiful. Like the lighting in, in the thing. Yes. Was amazing. Do you know the YouTube channel Mango Street? You might not. No. They are. It's this couple that do all these videos on like film and photography. And so literally a couple days after the special came out, they did this great little video. I'll put it on our website of like, um, all of the film and lighting techniques that Bo used. And it's so interesting to look at because there were even more than I had noticed, like the ways that he will take a light and be circling it around his head or like projecting it on the ceiling because he's just in this blank room and 
there's not really that much except for film and audio equipment that's around him. And I guess it's like piano and stuff. But he does such a good job. And even like when he imitates like the song uh, White Woman's Instagram, he uses so many Mm -hmm. different sets that are so accurate to like the stereotype. And he also like changes the aspect ratio of the screen so that it's going from like a story, Uh an Instagram story aspect ratio to a square to back to like the full screen. I just thought it's so cool. Yeah, no, it was really good. And yeah, like I loved watching the lighting because it was very interactive too. Like you were saying, like I think it was like I'm turning 30 or whatever. Yeah. Because I, I keep seeing it on TikTok. Um, and like, yeah, him like taking with his hand the light around his face and it's like causing shadows. And it's like you can see what he's doing, but it's like very, very, very cool. Like the effect is really cool. And it's so consistent too. It almost doesn't, you forget that it's his hand that's moving. Yeah even though it's like front and center. So I thought that it was very artful, artfully done. Yeah. Another thing I thought was interesting about it, like he doesn't really talk about climate change in a meaningful way, although I think it comes up maybe once or twice. I don't know. It's been a couple of weeks since I watched it. Yeah. But he definitely talks about like capitalism and Jeff Bezos and like um, the uh-huh. patriarchy and like things that are connected to like whatever the climate crisis and fueling the climate crisis and Mm -hmm. so I think he's always done such a good job of like tying in those phenomena and like comedy and -hmm. making it funny because there's some I don't know there's the whole thing it's like specific is funny and so actually being the most specific that you can is what's going to be funny instead of unrelatable and mm-hmm. he's so good at taking like societal things and just boiling it down. Yeah, I like it. And like p- parodying, parodying mm-hmm. it in, in, I don't know if I said it's that fine. right. It's fine. I think you did. But doing it in a way that doesn't seem dumb. Like it, it's, it's, he's still adding something and saying something. Yeah. Dumb, which is cool. Uh, just because it is stuff we've seen a million times like especially like the white woman's Instagram like it's funny because it's like so accurate and like that is one thing I've seen on TikTok like a bunch of women showing the the pictures from the special and then like showing their Mm -hmm. own posts that's exactly the same so I've also really liked to see um, I don't know if you've spent much time on TikTok since the special came out but I've liked seeing how it's I feel like it's like almost like I don't know performance art or something where like everyone else has like taken it and made their own mm-hmm. inside on TikTok. Oh, I love that. Whether it's like writing their own um verses to songs or just like showing how a song is relevant to their life or whatever, like doing a cover, doing, you know, whatever. I just think that it, like I don't know if it was necessarily meant to be interactive, but I think the way it's played out on social media has been incredibly interactive. Yeah. Which I think is really cool to see. That's such a good point. And I feel like the whole thing is about performance. And so like the song White Woman's Instagram, Uh yes, it's making fun of like these stereotypical photos that people post and like this really um, idealistic view of your life. But then like it goes into so much more depth too. And it's just like the way that we perform these things online in order to maybe attempt to bring joy to other people or to like, show a certain portrayal of ourselves 
And so it's like so deep. And he did such a good job with that with eighth grade too, in a different way, like talking about Mm -hmm. the ways that we interact with social media when we're a little bit younger. But I don't know, this felt like Mm -hmm. it made sense that this was the work that he made after that. So yeah, Stan Bill Burnham. Yeah, I'm a fan. Good special. And again, I can't get the Jeffrey Bezos. Yeah. Yeah, we need to use that at some point. I need to get back on TikTok. The little like clap. Yes. Especially oh, when he shoots so off into good. space. Yeah, we'll have to use um, that somehow. Oh, yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, maybe we will get on TikTok. Maybe. <laughs> we promise every <laughs> time and more, I'm like, some more maybe. videos. <laughs> I made one TikTok about using compost in my plants and then I still killed my... It, the compost did help, but it did not save my plant that was already dying. Okay. And so I was just like, I'm just Mm. not going to post anything else. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why social media is fake, people. You get the, I just got compost from my local place, going to save my plants. And you don't get the, they died anyway. I should comment on, there was like one person that commented and were like, send me (gasps) when there's an update. And I'll just be like, they died. (laughs) I left for five (laughs) weeks and they all died. Yeah. Reply to the, Yeah. Uh, but yeah well I guess I can say that I've been like traveling a little bit I was at my parents house pretty much I finished school and then I left New York for a while and now Mm -hmm. that I've been gone for like over a month I'm going back next week but I'm like I really should have subletted my room because I'm paying for something I'm not using Mm. but I like in combination with visiting my parents coming like taking the Amtrak slowly to Minnesota, going to treaty people gathering, visiting my friend from Peace Corps, visiting my grandma. Now this weekend, I'm going to visit my brother in Chicago to be fun. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it's it's been so good. And honestly, I'm with people I'm so comfortable with that I feel very at home in each place, except the, I guess the gathering. But I also felt nice. comfortable there. Mm-hmm. But I am excited to like sleep in my own bed and have more than the four shirts mm-hmm. that I brought with me so that I could fit my tent in my backpack. <laughs> so that will be nice. Yeah. Yeah, that is exciting. I love Sometimes it's nice to just go yeah. home, not move for a second. Yeah. I want to ask you, um, are the cats fully grown? Because I feel like we haven't talked about the cats in a while. It's, yeah, it's hard to tell. They're, they're in a... Th- a phase where they they look like full-grown cats um and they're they're big now like i i sent mm-hmm. you a picture before this of agatha and her super cute little tummy um so cute. so cute it's so round and soft oh uh but like i think they're fully grown but they're uh they were born in like at the end of september i believe so i think they're pretty much full grown yeah almost a year old yeah so like I think like you're supposed to there's like special food for like under a year. So they're still like eating that. But um I like gonna probably start switching that out or maybe even like mixing it mm-hmm. together with some adult food soon just so they can get used to it. Um wait. But yeah, they're big. They're big cats. Not to go back to milk, but like I'm just thinking about how I was always told that cats drink milk and that's like a thing. And then that actually, yeah, I don't even know if cats are s- supposed to drink cow's milk. I don't think it. I don't think they're yeah. supposed to. I think like they like mm. it, but I don't think it's good for them. But like also, we like yeah. a lot of food that's not good for my us. My childhood too. cat like candy um, corn, but I don't think they're. 
Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> Candy corn. I love that. <laughs> Not good for That's you, so but funny. she did. Yeah. <laughs> um, shall I do our socials or do you have anything else? Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else. All right. Every day this week, we are going to post a Bo Burnham climate related TikTok. Just kidding. That's not going to happen. Oh, my God. That's actually that's That's a lot of work. Well, I have another TikTok idea. That's a lot of work. And I'm so busy right now. (laughs) I'm not promising that. (laughs) Maybe one. All right. Elise is going to post one at World is Burning with a G on TikTok. (laughs) Um, Then we're on Twitter and Instagram at World is Burning. No G. You can find all of our extended show notes on our website, worldisburning.com. And you can also find our email on there, worldisburningpod at gmail.com. If you're listening and you want to give us a five-star review and maybe a couple sentences on Apple Podcasts, that would help us so much. Um, You can go to the Apple Podcasts app to do that. And I think that's it. We'll have lots of photos. I think the photos from this week are going to be especially interesting. Mm -hmm. So make sure to go to worldisburning.com. I was going to say the whole slug because I do you know if I know the date I can tell you the whole slug but it's not a catchy one anyways just go to our website Mm. and you will be able to find it (laughs) and we'll see you next Wednesday see you next Wednesday it's like (laughs) worldisburning.com slash 2021 slash 06 slash 23 it's my mom's birthday slash episode dash 32 (laughs) 